There's a million things we have to do today, and worrying doesn't need to be one of them. That's why one in nine families use Life360 for safety, to connect to the people that matter most. Join today and get premium features that keep your family protected with real-time location updates, crash detection, and 24-7 roadside assistance. Because let's face it, you're more than just your to-do list, you're a family. So let's live life 360. Download for free today. Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the award-winning Parareality Radio. My name is Sandman, and I'm going to be your host for the next little bit this evening. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Well, today is Sunday, July 24th, 2016, and it's not the usual time for a Parareality Radio show. However, I am doing a little bit of a special tonight. So this month marks the 69th anniversary of the Roswell UFO crash. And I've been doing the show for a long time, and I've only ever talked about the Roswell incident like once. And that was more of a debunking type show. And I've never really taken a look at it from any other angle. And... I've always wanted to do an anniversary special on Roswell, but I just never got around to it until now, that is. You know, I've sort of always thought that Roswell was more of a hoax or a misidentification, to be honest with you. Uh, But the more that I look into it and the more I learn about it, the more muddy the waters seem to get so to speak. Um, I still think that it was either a cover-up story to hide a secret government project or an outright mistake made by Lieutenant Jesse Marcel, who was the first Army officer to reach the crash site. But like I said, I'm less convinced now than I was before, but only because there's been so many credible or seemingly credible witnesses who've come forth throughout the years with statements saying otherwise, you know, statements saying that it wasn't just a cover-up. Most of the people, if not all of them, who were directly involved with the recovery or who actually saw anything or 
they're they're dead now and we're not going to have any real firsthand witnesses left and the people who are still around who are still talking about it are really people who are relaying secondhand information secondhand stories from their relatives or friends or something like that so we'll probably never really get down to the real nitty-gritty of what exactly happened uh but regardless real or not that's what i'm going to be taking a look here tonight on this special episode of parareality radio first of all before we get into the show, let me tell you how you can get in contact with me because you know, if you're a loyal listener of the show, that there are several different ways that you can go about doing this. First of all, you can send an email to me. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Uh, I'm also available on Facebook. Uh, just look for Sandman Parareality on Facebook. You can get my personal Facebook page. And uh, the Facebook page for the show just by going to Facebook and typing in Sandman Parareality. And uh, also, I am on Twitter, and you can follow me there on Twitter at Parareal Radio. That's at P A R A R E A L R A D I O, Parareal Radio. That's all one word there on Twitter. And uh, also, you can still call the studio line. I still do have the studio line. The number is 615-692-1170. The number wants to call. Number to call once again is area code 615, then dial 692-1170 and just leave a message. But be aware, if you do leave a message, that I will probably play your comment back on the show. Simply by leaving me that message is giving me permission to use at my discretion your comments here on Parareality Radio. And, you know, I may also answer the phone because uh, I'm always in the studio working and you, you just may catch me in the studio, so you may be able to um, talk to me in person, so to speak. Um, and I, the reason I still keep the studio line, even though I'm no longer doing live shows, is because one day I am going to do some more live shows. I keep saying that. I've been saying it for a couple of years now, and I haven't done any yet but i'm getting close to being able to do some live shows so hopefully some of you people out there will be listening and will call in live you never know maybe it'll work uh by the way if you if you hear some panting in the background um i've got my loyal companion perry here with me uh, i brought him into the studio tonight and he's uh laying on the floor by my feet panting away because it's hot as hell in the studio i'm sure you can hear the uh, air conditioning blowing because there's a vent that's um, unfortunately right above the studio desk here and uh, it's so hot this air conditioner just really can't keep up with the heat and it's just running 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 and won't stop so uh, anyway um, panting is Perry the dog and the uh, roaring noise you may or may not hear in the background is the air conditioner wouldn't surprise me if you if you're able to hear it because this is a very sensitive microphone anyway before I get into everything i'm going to take a quick break let you listen to some music and um i'll be right back and we'll start taking a, a in-depth look at the roswell ufo crash of 1947 
1947, a UFO was seen near the town of Roswell, New Mexico. It was witnessed by many of the residents and was described as something being not of this planet. The government denies any evidence of this event occurring and has seemingly covered it up ever since. Now that more information has become available to the public, it's clear that something extraordinary happened back then on that day. The town of Roswell, New Mexico, was the location of many UFO sightings in the later 1940s and was supposedly the location of a secret military base. Most of the local people had a story or two to tell about their experiences with these strange sightings, but are now coming forward with stories about how the government threatened them not to speak of the incidents that they were witnessing. Some felt like their life was endangered if they even dared to speak about what they saw. One incident in particular which has sparked a craze in the study of UFOs 
is when a flying disc allegedly crashed in the deserts of New Mexico near Roswell on the night of July the 8th, 1947. According to Roswell expert Henry Ritson, many civilians arrived at the crash scene and witnessed the bodies of alien beings. These witnesses reported to have seen humanoid beings with large pear-shaped heads and bulging black eyes being hauled away by the government and military agents and to have been debriefed of the entire occurrence by these same agents. Some witnesses were threatened not to speak of the incident again. The object in question was later classified by the government as a weather balloon and discounted all evidence of eyewitness reports of the UFO scene. The farmer whose field the UFO crashed in was offered a large sum of money by a local radio station to tell his story on the air. And he spoke of strange alien materials and a seemingly invincible square of foil-like material which couldn't be cut or damaged in any way. He also described the alien beings and the craft in which they were traveling in. He was later arrested by the military and held at the government base. Now, the first officer to the crash site, one Lieutenant Jesse Marcel, was told to make a public restatement about the crash scene and report that he had mistaken a weather balloon for a flying saucer. Pictures were taken of Marcel with the weather balloon and the story died down. Now, written recordings of the official statement quote Lieutenant Marcel is saying, We were so anxious in our investigation that we mistook what is clearly a weather balloon as some sort of alien space travel device. After many years of humiliation, Marcel decided to come forward with his story. He explained that he was forced by the military to change his entire story and that it was no weather balloon at all. This statement made national use and started a chain of UFO sightings from excited UFO enthusiasts. Most of these sightings were most likely the wild imaginations of said enthusiasts. Lieutenant Marcel had collected many samples from the crashed object on the day of the crash and shown it to his family, and his son was particularly interested in an object which seemingly contained alien writing. The objects were confiscated by the government, of course, and the life of Marcel's son was even threatened. Marcel's wife was told not to speak of these things or suffer the same consequences. If there was nothing but a mere weather balloon involved, the government would have had no reason to have make, made these threats. After several years of denying the events, the government was demanded by the public to declassify all of the Roswell records. It was to become public soon after when it was reported that the records had been stolen and were illegally destroyed. Conveniently, huh? All requests for information concerning the events which took place near Roswell were returned with a reply stating that no records exist of the alleged incident. 
Many requests were made for information concerning the events which took place by a group of individuals who went on to write a newsletter called the Roswell Reporter. Try saying that three times fast. Project Blue Book, which was a government project that uh, contained all UFO reports of that time period, contained no records of this incident, despite the fact that it is the most talked about UFO occurrence in history. This project became declassified and all records were released to the public. The Roswell incident was not listed in any of them. So when Project Blue Book became completely 100% declassified, Roswell not mentioned anywhere. There's obviously some reason that the government doesn't want the public to know the details of the crash. UFO skeptics alternate theories as to what the crash actually was. One theory is that these objects we see are actually balls of gas or plasma caused by tectonic movement within the Earth. This still wouldn't explain the bodies seen by the eyewitnesses. Another theory is that these aliens don't come from another planet at all. These beings could be from our future or even another dimension. All of these theories, now, and these are just a, a, a few, these aren't all of the theories that are out there. Nevertheless, all of the theories may sound kind of far-fetched, but we don't have any way of disproving them. And we don't have any way of proving them either. Even the... the uh, Ancient Indians, the Native Americans of this land, this great nation of ours, documented flying objects. Um, they claimed to have uh, built objects for planetary flight and operated them with, the, with their ego and soul. Now, these stories were never proven or disproven, but the fact remains that the history of flying discs dates back long before the age of modern man. Childress says that not only was there documentation found on these ships, but also stories of interplanetary travel as well. One of the major theories out there concerning Roswell is Project Mogul. And that was one of the things, that was actually the main thing that I concentrated on several years ago whenever I did my Roswell debunking show so you if you know about Roswell you know uh, what Project Mogul is or you've at least heard of it so what about Project Mogul well Project Mogul it was a top-secret US military project involving high-altitude balloons this project operated under the concept uh, it, well, using the concept in the intelligence world of compartmentalization, where information on the project was on a strictly need-to-know basis. And most people involved in the project did not know even the name of the project was they were working under, uh, the what the objective was, or the modus operandi, if you will, of the project. The unclassified purpose of this project was to develop constant altitude-level balloons for meteorological purposes. The classified purpose, however, was comp something completely different. Its purpose was to develop 
a long-distance acoustic detection system so they could hear Soviet nuclear detonations. It had been previously discovered from World War II-era analysis of the globally propagated sound waves produced uh, by uh, Krakatoa in 1883, that there was an acoustic duct, so to speak, in the upper atmosphere between the troposphere and the stratosphere where with the right type of detection equipment and acoustic microphones, the acoustical signature of nuclear explosions could be detected as they propagated through the upper atmosphere. This information would then be relayed to ground-based receivers. So this was basically an early form of super-sophisticated eavesdropping. In the summer of 1947, Alamogordo Army Airfield in New Mexico was the main launch site for testing this top-secret balloon, or balloons to be more precise, as it was, in fact, a very long train uh, of up to two dozen balloons with a total length of over 200 meters. Now, there's strong evidence to suggest that uh, NYU Flight Number 4, launched on June 4, 1947, was the source of the debris found at the Foster Ranch where the UFO in Roswell said to have crashed. There are many similarities between the materials used in Project Mogul amid the Roswell debris, and this makes it difficult to exclude NYU Flight Number 4 as a likely source of the Roswell debris. Unusual material the balloon uh, the unusual material that the balloons used in Project Mogul's flights were made of a rubber like substance called neoprene. And some of the debris at the Foster Ranch consisted of a rubber like, smelly, smoky gray material, which Charles Moore thinks could easily have been these same neoprene balloons. This material was relatively new technology used in this project and wouldn't be readily identifiable by the untrained eye. It was used instead of the then popular rubber because it was easier to control and maintain a constant altitude, it was more durable than rubber, and it leaked less helium. The hieroglyphics debris that witnesses described uh, tape with, with like strange characters or hieroglyphic designs on it, uh, it's since been established that reinforcing tape used on the balloon trains had indeed a type of flower-like design which was used on the radar targets. The manufacturer of this tape, a toy company, used whatever resources it had available at the time due to shortages and shortly after, uh, this was shortly after World War II, right? So there was a lot of shortages of supplies. And the tape it used for the construction of toys was sometimes also used in the construction of radar targets, which were part of the balloon train. So these hieroglyphics could have well been the tape with the flower-like design on The black box cabot, the CIC officer who accompanied Marcel to the debris site, described a black box in the wreckage. And we know that the NYU balloons used batteries for the acoustic equipment, which were normally packed into black boxes. Aside from this, Charles Moore carried out detailed analysis of U.S. National Weather Service wind data. His calculations from this data showed that NYU Flight Number 4 balloon path 
would have passed over the Foster Ranch about 85 miles northwest of Alamogordo, which was its launch site. Also, the debris at the Foster Ranch was strewn in a southwest to northeast pattern, as reported by witnesses, which was also consistent with the predicted flight path, flight path, Jesus, I can't talk, the predicted flight path from the available wind data. In fact, over the course of Project Mogul, several balloons had landed and had been recovered in this general area, so Project Mogul balloons crashing back to Earth was nothing new in those days, right? It should be noted that there are discrepancies in accounts with the timing of the crash. According to Charles Moore, the crash would have been mid-June 1947. And according to Mac Brazel, whose farm or ranch that the crash occurred on, it was early July. Or either that was just the date when he discovered the debris, maybe. I don't know. The government has kept the information about the crash at Roswell, New Mexico, a secret. If so many people witnessed this crash from so far away, it would be hard to imagine that the object is a weather balloon. It could have been a secret government experiment gone bad, or even a craft from another world. In any case, the public has the right to know the truth. The proof of other intelligent life forms existing in the universe would be a great step in human knowledge and, and evolution, for that matter. The secrecy surrounding the entire incident makes it seem as if the government has already learned from these beings. Some UFO enthusiasts also believe that the government gets information on new technology from the extraterrestrials. The massive increase in technology since the 1950s and 60s supports this concept, and this is nothing new. You've probably heard this before. New military aircrafts have shown sign of advanced technology and aerodynamics. Uh, the stealth bomber is a good example of this new technology. The controversy about aliens and the incident at Roswell, New Mexico, will most likely continue until either an alien makes contact with the human race publicly or until the government admits to the cover-ups in Roswell and all the other UFO sightings that it's been keeping a lid on. This crash was a very important historical event in the eyes of many, and the government has done a really good job of keeping the details of the event a secret. No matter what the object was, it certainly opened the eyes of the public. The people involved in the incident and those who witnessed it are the only ones who know for sure what really happened on that memorable evening. They've been silenced by the government, and they're never going to get to speak of the events that occurred on that night. They are the few who have seen exactly what is out there, and the rest of us may never know. And that does it on my very short, yet brief, and hopefully eye-opening look at the Roswell UFO crash of July 8, 1947. Oh boy, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed this little short show on the Roswell, the anniversary of the Roswell UFO crash. Let me know what you thought about it by sending me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Sandman at parareality.com, or you can simply visit my website 
and uh, leave me a comment, or you can actually um, um, leave me a comment in, in the guest book on the website, or you can just click on the little uh, mail to on the form there on the website. Um, speaking of parareality.com, um, that's where you can find out all kinds of information about my show, my podcast, if you will. You can listen to the current and past episodes, and if you click on the Extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio Forum. It's free to join. It don't send you a lot of, it don't send you any spam mail stuff. You can uh, shop in the Parareality Radio Store and even watch some show videos and other stuff like that. Uh, don't forget to look me up on Facebook. That's Sandman Parareality on Facebook. Sandman Parareality. You can even hear the show there on Facebook as well, and you can also find out more about what's going on in the world of parareality, both behind the scenes and with me personally. And don't forget that I'm now on Twitter, so you can follow me at Radio on Twitter, and I'll be tweeting out announcements like special guests and topics, so be sure to follow me on Twitter at Radio. Look me up on Facebook, Sandman Parareality on Facebook. Email the show, sandman at parareality.com. Also, call 692-1170 with a 615 area code. That number is 615-692-1170. And just leave a message on the voicemail there. Be advised, just simply by leaving me a message, you're granting me permission to play your message back on the show. Oh boy, that about, uh, that, wow, that gets everything how you can get in contact with me. There's, there are a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways. So uh, anyway, that does it for this little short episode of Perialty Radio, talking about the Roswell UFO crash in 1947. Everybody, my next show, as I announced earlier this month, my next show is going to be on Friday, August the 5th, twenty. 16. The topic is going to be Elvis Presley death conspiracies. It August will be the anniversary of the death of Elvis Presley, so I thought it would be a good time to talk about some conspiracy theories surrounding the death of the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. Uh, that's going to be available on Friday, August 5th, 2016, at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, so make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. It's going to be a very interesting show. Got a lot of information in store for you. All right, that does it. I hope that this radio program opens your mind up to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. Hope you have a wonderful evening and I will see you again on Friday, August 5th, 2016 at 8 o'clock Central Time with Elvis Presley Death Conspiracy Theories. Gonna leave you with a uh, little monster man with Space Lord. I'm out. I've been stuffed in your pocket for the last hundred days. When I don't get my bath, I take it out on the slaves. So grease up your baby for the ball on the hill. I'll polish them rockets now and swallow those pills and say, oh. Space long mother.
Time!